everyone sitting here and everyone watching on Facebook Live has an opinion of me. <laughs> All of you. The reason I know that is because everybody has an opinion about somebody else. As a matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and go, oh, I got an opinion, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. This is the way the human brain works, okay? And so you might go to a party and all of a sudden you see somebody and they, uh, they are dressed a certain way. And uh, you, what, what did we do? Why did we, what, what happened just now? Oh, the lights turned on. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Boy, you guys look fantastic this morning. <laughs> we keep those off for a reason. Um, see? I haven't, now you, you just changed your opinion of me. See? It just changed like that, right? But you all have an opinion of me. I know that because I have an opinion of you. And, and we have an opinion of each other, okay? And, and so you will go to a place and you will uh, immediately see some people and you will actually, can we turn those lights off? It's like super distracting. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, and so uh, you, you have an opinion of those people at the party. And, and, and we're told, we're given this narrative that uh, when you have an opinion, um, it can't, you can't really notice too much. If you do, that's called judging. And so when you see somebody in tattered clothes and you see somebody wearing a really nice three-piece suit, if the first thing that comes into your mind that the tattered clothes person is a homeless and the, the, the suit person is wealthy, then um, it, that's wrong. But here's the thing. Your brain can't not do that. Your brain is designed in the way it's made by God is that it has to categorize very quickly. Now, if you hold to that position long, you know, that everyone that has tattered clothes is homeless and everyone who wears a suit is a lawyer, um, well, we'd have a lot of lawyers. Anyway, um, and so, so, so your, your brain, then you have to kind of move through that. And that, all that processing is about getting, uh, having opinions. But here's, it gets even worse. Even though you have an opinion about everyone you meet, they have an opinion about you. And it gets even worse. Your opinion about them could be wrong. Even the opinion that you're holding very, very strongly. Even after you've gotten some extra information and some extra information and some extra information, you might have a wrong opinion about somebody. It gets even worse. They might have a wrong opinion about you. As a matter of fact, if you heard their opinion about you, you'd probably say, well, that's a wrong opinion about me. You know, it's probably not as glowing as you wish it would be. Here's the, here's the thing that makes it even worse. With social media, now we can hear each other's opinions. <laughs> you can read somebody's anonymous opinion and you can go on Twitter. Do you know Twitter has 500 million tweets a day of people's ideas and most of them are anonymous and you can get all caught up in reading those things and then you start to get even worse and you start to think of like boy how, I need to make sure that people aren't thinking about me like that and you begin to adjust your life based on what people think about you and they may even be wrong and you probably have no idea what they think about you 
You just think you know what they think about you. Have you ever done that before where you're going to somebody and you're talking to them? And Have you ever said this thing? Oh, and they were like, like so upset with me. And, and you go, they were like so upset with you or they were actually upset? No, I could just, I could just tell in their face, right? They might have just had a, like a gas bubble or something in their stomach. <laughs> you know, those painful ones that you get. I mean, you, you have no, you cannot possibly know ever what somebody really thinks about you. So then why would you live your life worrying and shaping it around what you think someone might think when you have no idea what they think or what they would think. Some of you uh, have lived your life because somebody in your past said something or did something and you don't want anyone else to think that. And so you're overworked and so you're anxious all the time, that you feel like you need to explain yourself a lot, and so you go through a lot of extra energy trying to either make excuses or explain yourself, or because the, the thought in the back of your mind is, what are people going to think? Some of you have had relationships in the past where someone has said one thing about how you look, about how you speak, about maybe you're clumsy or whatever, and in the back of your mind, other people think that. I know they think that because that's how you think about yourself. And so sometimes what we, how we think about ourselves, we project on the people and we say, I know they're thinking that because why wouldn't they think that? Because I think that. Now how tragic is it when you begin to shape your life about what someone else may or may not, because again, you never know, think about you. It's sad. Now, some of you know what someone thinks about you. Your mom has told you things that you never, you never uh, uh, amounted like your brother did. You know, you, you, didn't, you don't make as enough money. You didn't marry someone as pretty or whatever. And you've spent your whole life trying to prove her wrong, and she's dead. And you're still trying to prove your mom wrong. That's sad. That's sad. I do it myself. I catch myself doing it all the time. Like I say a lot. When I preach, I'm preaching to myself. And so I will start to think to myself about when I catch myself thinking about what other people think. And I think, am I doing this because of what they think or because of what I think? (laughs) I'm telling you from personal experience, it's miserable to try to think what someone else is going to think. Other thing is we begin to become the person whose opinion we think matters most. And so some of us get into careers because our parents were just like, like going crazy. Like you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, it's so super, super sad. A lot of people who grow up trying to please their parents, their parents were, it was out of their own insecurity They wanted you to be successful. Why? Because they would go to parties and they would talk to their friends and their kids were successful. And they were worried about what other people think. And so now you get that baggage of, oh, I've got to perform. 
I got to be the best at everything. I got to do that. Why? Because your parents were too insecure to be able to allow you to be who you are. Now, I'm not coming down on your parents. That's actually not a good political move. I'm like, so call your parents when you get home and you tell them, no. No, but this is the cycle that happens. And then we do it to our own kids. Where if you really think about why you're pushing your kids, is it really for them? Or is it for you? Is it for me? Here's the point I want to arrive at this morning before we get into the word. Achieving God's aspirations often means not meeting others' expectations. Now, I'm going to show this to you in the Bible, okay? But if you got that today, if you owned that today, and you brought it in starting from here on out into your life, that achieving God's aspirations oftentimes means not meeting other people's expectations, you will live free with just one opinion you need to worry about, and that's God's. And here's the great thing about God's opinion. He's not insecure. (laughs) He's not going, oh man, come on, dude. All that education and that's all you make? How are you going to tithe? How are you going to tithe with just that much money? Come on, I need more money. Let's go, come on. Get, Get going. No, he's not, he doesn't care about that. God doesn't want something from you. He doesn't want you to perform so that he looks good. Now, as we become like Christ, we glorify him. There's no doubt about that. But we're just becoming like Christ. We're not becoming successful or famous or whatever. We're just being who God created us to be in the shape and in the uh, strengths and in the things that God created us to be. But we often miss it because we're so worried about trying to meet other people's expectations. Achieving God's aspirations often means not meeting others' expectations. Uh, Let me just tell you where I struggle with this as a pastor. So, I'm a pastor. And, uh, you know, you have a church, right? And the church is filled with people. Every single one of you has an expectation of what church should look like. And you have your pluses and your minuses and this and that. And, and you know, what the pastor should look like. You know, incredibly handsome. Check. Uh, so you, you got, all these, you got all, all, all these expectations. Well, pastors struggle with meeting everybody's expectations. Right? Because you'll, you, and you, you'll hear it in little things, like little, little comments that are made. That you can tell, oh, their expectations weren't met. The healthiest pastors in the world... Worry about one opinion, God's. And then they love with humility the people who are trying to have their expectations met. But it's difficult. It gets hard sometimes. I'm not telling you to feel sorry for me. Um, Anyway. Now, what I want to do is I want to read a section of Scripture and talk about somebody who, under incredible demands was more concerned about God's opinion than the opinion of others. Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, that's like secret language, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, just like we talked about last week, this idea of being pledged to be married was different than our word engagement. 
Okay? When you get engaged, when you're engaged, you can turn it off anytime you want. Nobody would say anything, right? They might, your mother might be disappointed, but remember, we're not meeting her expectations. All right. So, so you, you know, you're engaged, and normally if you went to a party and they said, hey, you know, where's John? You know, they're talking to Lisa, and they say, where's John? And now we broke off the engagement. And everyone would say, oh, that's, that's sad, you know, uh, sorry it didn't work out. There's, there's uh, many fish in the sea, they would say. If I went to the party and said we broke off the engagement, people would just begin wailing, like, you'll never find anyone like that. And so, uh, so I use myself as an example. But in this particular case, you would have to actually get a divorce. You would have to actually go to court because a contract had been made. And so, this, so Joseph and Mary were contractually obligated to get married. Okay? And so when it says, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit... If you were reading this uh, like, like it just was hot off the press off of Matthew's writing, you'd read that and, and be like, what? Because in the Old Testament, under the law, that was punishable by death. To, to, to have a sexual relationship with another man while you're betrothed is punishable by death. And so you'd be like, wow. Now... You know, oftentimes we dismiss the reality of the Bible, but put yourself in their shoes. They're, they are thinking what you would think and what I would think. What are people going to think? Right? And I don't know how Mary broke the news to Joseph. I mean, how do you even do that? How do you just, like, hey, do you have a second? <laughs> you know. Today I, I talked to an angel, so that was weird, um, but you'll never guess what the angel said. You know, and Joseph's like, uh-huh, right, what? I'm going to be pregnant by God. Joseph is thinking to himself, no, that's not how it happens, Mary. I just want you to know. Uh, there's only two ways. Mary's getting pregnant, Joseph or some other guy. That, I mean, that's, that's the only way. And so Joseph gets hit with this news of his world is rocked. They are betrothed. They are contractually obligated to be married. And if she's pregnant, he has one of two options. He either has to say it's his and it's not. Or he says it's not and they, they get divorced. And so that's what he does. Because Joseph, her husband, listen to this was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public di disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Man, this is a guy, I, I, I have just grown to like Joseph a lot. There's not that much in the Bible about him. And I've formed my own opinion of him, which is not from the Bible, okay? But I picture Joseph just one of those guys who's just super strong and is like, Yep. Just a few words. Just says, well, I don't have to divorce Mary quietly. Got a carpenter's thing to run. I guess that didn't work out. Yep. That's it. That's what I got to do. That's what he does. But he, look, at the, look at the way he treats Mary. He is not necessarily concerned with what people are going to think. Have you ever seen people go through something similar to this publicly 
It is not pretty. It is not pretty. You'll, you'll, it looks like this. You'll be on Facebook and you'll see this cryptic post that says, you think you've known somebody for a long time and then you find out that your heart just got ripped out of its chest. And then all, their fr- all your friends are like, like, so sad, sorry, whatever. Why? Because you care what they think. And so you post it on Facebook. You want everyone to know it wasn't your fault, okay? Joseph doesn't do that. He says, you know what? We're just gonna, we're just gonna quietly put this to rest. And I, I don't blame him because there's no way either the person I'm betrothed to slept with somebody or she's crazy, right? Because there's just no way. There's, there's no way. And Joseph just quietly decides we'll put an end to it. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You know what's really sweet about this verse right here? Is that I'll bet in Joseph's mind in this vision. He was like, that's right, it does say that. The prophet The prophet did say that. That's right. And I can just imagine the hope that he has. This man who probably, if if he didn't love Mary, at least was like, she's not worth dragging through the mud, okay? She's just innocent, you know? She doesn't know or whatever. And so he gets this glimmer of hope. And I, I think of it a lot of times like, have you ever had a thing where you've been thinking about something all week, and then you go to church and that's what the pastor speaks on, right? That very thing, maybe even the very verse. And you're thinking, he knows my thoughts, right? He does. No. Uh, right? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit places things on your heart and on your mind. And knowing that you're going to encounter this and meet this person and do that. And, and, and it's, it's to give you hope. It's to give you uh, a sense of uh, his presence. Where you go, wow, that, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I have my answer now. Or, I, or this gives me so much courage to move forward. Or uh, all, all, these, all these different things. I believe And I can't prove it, but this is why the angel Gabriel said this to Joseph. It was for Joseph. Hey, dude, this was prophesied about, and it's not, it's, it's going to happen. It says, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, Emmanuel is just with us, and El is, uh, is short for Elohim, so it's like God with us. Now, this next verse is so cool. Because Joseph, you know, I, I can't explain it that well, but in this culture, everybody had an opinion about everybody else, just like we do now, but it was close. It was, it was Nazareth. It was small. It was, they all knew everybody. They knew that, uh, Elizabeth, I mean, that uh, Mary and Joseph were engaged. They, they knew that. 
They knew, they knew when it was going to be, when the wedding was going to be. They knew uh, um, Mary's mom and dad and Joseph's mom and dad, and they all had an opinion, you know, uh, oh, I don't think it's going to work. You know, they have all their things, and they, they're at the gate. You know, the men would be at the gate talking about stuff. The women would be at the well getting water and all these different things. And Joseph sits with this thing of like, man, even if this is true, how, what are people going to think? Is, it, is an angel going to go to every single person's Facebook page and post something and say, like, oh, that, oh Gabriel liked it, so it must be cool. Like, like how, how in the world are they going to convince everybody that this is really from God? Because p- half of the town, I guarantee you, would go, Joseph, seriously, dude, it was you. Just admit it, Right? And half the town would be like, no, I know Joseph. He would never do that. It was some, somebody else. And they have to live with the reality of this. And so just the feeling of what are people going to think? Some of you are going through some things like that right now. Your lifestyle is changing. Some things that you thought were right, you're now kind of thinking, man, this might not be right anymore. And you're, and you're asking yourself, what, what are people going to think? If we break this off, or if we change, or if I stop doing this, or if I stop running with these guys, or if I stop doing this, or I stop telling those jokes, or I stop using this language, or I pick, pick whatever, I, whatever it is. What are people going to think? I have good news for you. It doesn't matter what they think. It only matters what God is going to think. Here's what Joseph did. This is so cool. This is why I think he's just like, well, all right. So he wakes up and did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. Like he didn't ask any questions like Zechariah and Mary did. He didn't, he's just like, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Just get married and then go back to the carpenter's place and here we go. The reason I think of this about Joseph too is because he does this again when uh, God tells him to move to Egypt yeah, all right, I'm go to Egypt. Grab, get the family. Go. Why are you going to Egypt? Huh? Angel, same angel, told me to go. Here we go. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not. Maybe he needs a like a like like a southern accent or something. Yeah, the angel told me to go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. <laughs> Again, achieving God's aspirations often means not meeting others' expectations. And this is the joy of this truth, is that half the time, you don't even know what their expectations are. Half the time, you, 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 don't, you don't know what they're thinking, what they would think, what they can't think. You, you have no idea. And so we waste all this energy, all this time, all this money to try and meet someone's expectations, and you don't even know if that's their expectation. Now, you, you, might, you might have some people who have told you what their expectations are, and, and you don't even know why they have those expectations. It might be something completely off the rails. And now you're living your life that way. But God has aspirations for you. God knows how you were created. God knows what you need. God knows what success looks like in your life. God knows what health looks like in your life. God knows what you need better than you do. And achieving God's 
aspirations often means not meeting others' expectations. Now imagine if you went into this week expecting to disappoint people. <laughs> like you're like, yeah, I, you just can't please everybody. Lord, what would you have for me today? You know, maybe, maybe you engage in some office politics or whatever, and God's been going, you know what? You're above that. See, when God talks to us, even when we're in the wrong place, all he's saying is when he talks about sin and all these things, it's from a standpoint of that's not going to work for you. That's not going to work for you. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's, it's not for your best. Come on, let's go this way. You, you, you move away from that. I got something way better for you. I know it seems like that now. And so you, you get involved in these things, these uh, whatever it is, you know, office politics or whatever. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to go, hey, 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 come on, let's go this way. And then you go, oh, I'm not going to engage in that anymore. And I'll bet the first thing you think of is, oh boy, I'm going to get it from those people. They're going to call me goody two-shoes. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And oftentimes, many times, to achieve God's aspirations, you're going to miss meeting someone's expectations. Maybe God's telling you to get out of a relationship and you're like, we already sent the invitations out. Like, what are people going to think? Who knows? They might go, oh, phew. I thought they were really going to go through with it. You have no idea what they're going to think. I wanted to give you a few verses as we wrap up about the difference between how people think and how God thinks. So that when you're in the midst of it, you can kind of get some, a reality check of who are you really trying to please. Because you can't imagine, you, you don't have, you cannot imagine the impact that you can have for the kingdom with one little act of obedience. Joseph married God's mom. <laughs> and here we are. He didn't know that. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know Jesus was going to die for the sins of the world. He didn't know the, the impact that was going to happen. But the angel told him to do it, and he got up, and he did it. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Like, really? Like, out of our mouth should never come, I, I know what they're thinking. It's impossible. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And here's the great thing about the Spirit of God. His job is to reveal to you the thoughts of God. So, in fact, what Paul is saying is, even though you can't know anyone's thoughts, you can know God's. Because the Spirit of God will reveal them to you as you read the Word, as you're in prayer, as you're talking to people, and there's confirmation from people who have uh, different gifts in you and all these types of things. That there's no way to know what somebody's thinking, but there's a way to know what God is thinking. Isn't that encouraging? It is to me. Now, let's say, I know, but I've, I've got, I've, there, but there are people, I, you know, I, I don't want to disappoint and all this. Let me, let me give you some light into their thoughts, if you will. Okay, and th this is the person you're trying to please. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it, <laughs> right? They, they, they can't even trust their own thoughts. 
right? I can't even trust my own thoughts, the things I think are right and all of us. I need the Holy Spirit to give me God's thoughts. When I want to go do something, when I want to change something, when I want to enter a new season, and I'll, I'll ask people, but there'll be a confirmation of what God thinks through his word and through others and through prayer. Otherwise, we're just trusting in a deceitful thing and desperately sick. I, I like that. You can use that, by the way, with your boss or whatever. Um, now listen to this. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, and they are a mere breath. <laughs> He's just like, uh, like he hears a thought. Uh, they're just a mere breath. Good night. Now, I told you Twitter has 500 million tweets every day. God knows everybody's thoughts all the time. Think about that. And that's what he has to say about it. Ugh, breath, just a, uh, right? Because for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts, uh, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts aren't even close to ours. Now, who would I rather want to please? Somebody who can't even discern their own thoughts and they have thoughts about me? Or God's thoughts about me, who even knows my thoughts and can say, hey, you know what? You've been thinking about yourself like this. That's not true, that's a lie. And that comes from your flesh or it comes from the enemy or it comes from how you were raised or whatever. But guess what? I mean, isn't that amazing that we have access to a God whose thoughts are higher, whose ways are higher, and then he allows us to know his thoughts and can say, don't be concerned about them. They don't even know their right hand from their left hand. Their thoughts are a mere breath to me. Let's sit down and talk about what my aspirations are for you. And they're going to be probably different than your own aspirations. The writer of Psalms says this about God's thoughts. This is so sweet. How precious to me are your thoughts, God? How vast is the sum of them? That God is thinking about you a lot. That he knows what you're going through and as the worship band returns. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you're trying to get to. He knows if you're on the right path. He knows if you're on the wrong path. He knows if you're listening to the wrong people. He knows where your weaknesses are. He knows uh, where your strengths are. He knows the lies you're telling yourself about yourself that you think are 100% true. And he knows they're wrong. Some of those thoughts are even prideful thoughts. You think you've arrived or you're farther along than you should be. And the Lord's like, you're not even close. Don't you need to know that from the person who knows your thoughts and whose thoughts are higher than yours? We're glad that Joseph made the right decision. That he was commanded. And this, and he would have had tremendous pressure. And not only that, as Jesus was born, he would have had pressure. He would have had pressure their whole life. As a matter of fact, people care so much about this in that day. Um, one time Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and, and John, and the Pharisees basically say, hey, where's your dad? They like jab him. And Jesus 
because he's so amazing uh, and he doesn't care what anyone thinks. Well, of course, he knew what they were thinking, but that's different. He's the only one. So don't go saying you get to know. Uh, he says, oh, God, God's my father. Like he doesn't even bat an eye. He just says it, you know. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, oh, I know what you're trying to say. He just says, yeah, God, God's my heavenly father. And they, they try to get him again and get him again. He's, he doesn't care. He didn't care what anyone thought. Now imagine, imagine the impact you could have for the kingdom if this week and the coming weeks you didn't care what anyone thought but your heavenly father. We're going to take a little bit of time and uh, this is when we fill out our connection cards. And so um, if you want to put your uh, name on there, if we already have that information, that's great. If we don't, if you're new, um, we'd love to get as much information as possible and just introduce you to the church. I welcome you here. Um, and then also, like Jonathan was saying, those prayer requests are really, really important. And so if you're going through something and you, um, you want someone to partner with you in prayer, we have a whole team that does that. Fill that out. We pray for them every single week. And uh, also, if this is uh, a week where you give, you can uh, fill out whatever it is, if you have cash or a check or whatever, and put that in a box in the back with your connection cards. Let me pray for us, and we'll wrap up. Lord, um, we're thankful that uh, you have precious thoughts towards us and there's just a vast sum of them every day. And Lord, those are the thoughts. Those are the ones we, we're concerned about. What do you think? Lord, I pray that we would have the courage to move forward and act upon that. What your vision for our life is. What your um, perspective is. What your aspirations are. And Lord, as we um, by default, um, as we miss meeting everyone else's expectations, Lord, I pray we do it with humility, um, with gentleness, and with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.